Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. I'm Ravi Ari Kivan, your host here today, and we are getting all ready for Pesach. So, ladies and gentlemen, Pesach is one week away, and this year it's quite unique as it is on a Saturday night. So, I'm happy to take your questions. If you feel that you want to send any questions through, feel free to do so. But I'd like to specifically talk about what some people requested we discuss is about Pesach at home. Some people are home alone. And as Rabbi Chabad Seniors programs, I thought it would be appropriate to talk a little bit about those who are still in quarantine, those who are trying to be as careful as possible, those who are being isolated. Those who aren't making it to Pesach retreats and programs out there are going to their friends and family. Of course, what we'll talk about should be relevant to everyone, whether you're at home alone or with relatives and friends. The the message is there for all of us. But the Pesach Seder certainly is a highlight of the year for so many. And we all have fond, fond memories of our family Pesach Seders sitting around the table, enjoying time with family and friends. And to paraphrase one of my mentors and teachers, Rabbi Yossi Jacobson, certainly it should not be an unpleasant experience. You want to do all that you can to ensure that it's enjoyable for all present. For that is the purpose of the Seder, to enjoy the quality family time. Of course, it is historically recalling our exodus from Egypt, our ancestors' emancipation from their slavery. But it is also the opportunity for each of us to experience our own liberation, our own personal emancipation from our boundaries, our constraints, our limitations, pushing the envelope, making it a real personal experience. And for those who are doing it alone, for those who are not going to be with friends or family, then all the more so, it makes it that much more challenging. But ladies and gentlemen, you can make it as meaningful and as special of an experience, whether you're with a few people or by yourself or with whomever you are because Pesach for 3,333 years, we have been celebrating this festival. Even in the most difficult situations, we have always found ways to mark the occasion. And no doubt last Pesach certainly was probably one of the most challenging Pesachs anyone could ever have experienced. People had plans and they were upended just like that. And, Think about people who experience Pesach in the in in the hells of Auschwitz, of other difficult situations, whether it was under communism or under the Nazi regime or under other experiences of pogroms and inquisitions and expulsions. We Jews have found ways to do it. We've done it. We've made it happen. And so certainly this year, after last year's experience, I think there are ways that you can make it work. And just with a little bit of thought, of, of planning, you could certainly have a most meaningful Pesach experience. If you go back to the very first Pesach that our ancestors experienced before leaving Egypt, and we learned that while they ate the carbon Pesach, while they were still in Egypt, guess what? They were quarantined in their homes. Yes, with their family. But those who didn't have family, I guess they were themselves. They weren't allowed to leave their homes the entire night of Pesach. They were actually commanded to stay home. God was going to pass over, hence the name Passover, the Jewish homes. 
And so there were no communal elements of the Korban Pesach that year. There was no retreat. There were no programs. They were home alone. They were, yes, they were going to become the great Jewish nation, but they needed to realize there was something special and unique about the individual. Think about this week. We welcome, we embrace the new month of Nisan. With it, the astrological sign of Aries, which is the ram. And on the one hand, we had to be united as one as a Jewish nation. But at the same time, we celebrate the individuals. Nations oftentimes tend to swallow up individuals. As a community, we have to realize the elements of unity. We have to, we have to recall the, the significance, the importance of the individual. So indeed, whether you're going to be with your family or yourself, Remember to make sure that the experience is as meaningful to you as each individual is indispensable. Each person makes a difference. And so if you're alone, then celebrate it in the most meaningful way. If you're out there, if you're going to a program to other family and friends, well, still don't neglect, don't forget the individuals. And so that's what we need to consider in planning for this year's Pesach. Remember last year when the word symptoms was on everyone's lips, right? We were talking about, we're all concerned about does someone have the symptoms? And even still today, the vaccine is not yet, we haven't yet achieved the herd immunity. But we have to remember, it's not the symptoms that we're worried about, of course. What causes the symptoms, the virus is what really concerns us. It's just that the virus itself obviously is not discernible. You can't see it. But even when someone gets the symptoms, that's not the real concern. The real concern is that the symptoms mean that you have. I know so many people right away, if they have a little cough, a little dryness, any feelings of unwellness right away, do I, do I have it? Did I catch COVID? But think of it in a positive way as well. Basic idea, obviously, anything that's going on in the world, certainly there's a, a sort of spiritual energy that we have to glean from it. And so we have to think, you know, if you go back to our ancestors' experience of the exodus from Egypt, that we are re-experiencing that now as well. So the important thing is, how do we experience the spiritual energy of Pesach today? And so if we think about it, every year on Pesach, the same spiritual energies are present. The same spiritual energy is to be experienced, to be felt. And so how are we going to experience it this year? So make sure that you tap into it. That it's not his story, but it's your story. It's our story. So think about the purpose of a Seder is not just to commemorate symbolically what's happened previously, but to experience it, to reenact it. We're not living history. We're tapping into the existing reality of today. So an essential part of the Seder is a question that we have to ask ourselves. How are we experiencing liberation and freedom today? How are we breaking free from whatever obstacles, challenges, habits, difficulties, whatever we might be going through in our own lives that we need to break free from? That we need to make it a real experience for ourselves. And that, my friends, is 
when God told our ancestors to do certain things that would allow them to merit the experience of redemption. That was the matzah, the maror, all those things. Yes, we do them today as well because all those experiences are here for us too to experience in our lives. So that when we discuss today how to get ready for Pesach, it's not just about commemorating events of the past, but rather make sure that you're going to live those events today yourselves as well. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. Welcome back to Soul to Soul right here on 101.9 Hi FM. I'm Rabbi Ari Kiedman. And today we're talking about our Pesach experience. And we discussed how we're going to reenact it. In fact, the Mishnah tells us that in every generation, every day, we should see ourselves as if we personally experienced Exodus from Egypt. Well, now let's talk about how to do it, what to do. You know, you go to a birthday party, there's usually a birthday cake, candles, happy birthday songs. Imagine if someone asked how much cake you have to eat. How long does that happy birthday song have to last? You'd look at them like they're nuts. The thing is, for many Jews, the Seder is something similar. We get together, we celebrate, nibble on some traditional food and move on. But one of the most important things to realize is that there is a right way of how to conduct your Seder, of what to do. That's what the word means. Seder means order. There's an exact order, a system for how we're meant to celebrate. And there are many examples in life that are simple. You know, think about it. Uh, I don't know, a bride wants her wedding gown to be just so. Uh, You think about uh, a a game, an activity. There are rules to it. There are rules to life. You miss one letter in your email address and it's not going to reach the destination where you want it to go. And my friends, mitzvahs are no different. The nuances, the details of each mitzvah have meaning and, and, and accomplish something. There's a purpose, there's a reason. The amount of matzah that we eat, the timing of the Seder, when you finish eating your chametz on Shabbos morning this year, the items that you're going to put on your Seder plate, each detail carries tremendous purpose, profundity, and just as the, the you know a dot and a URL for a website is more than just a dot, you don't put the dot, you're not going to get to that web page. Think of a human smile. One way of describing it is an upward pulling of facial muscles. But everyone understands that this only captures the external expression of a smile. The movements of the muscles are a reflection of an emotional feeling going on inside. And my friends, the same thing. The actions of the mitzvahs are all reflections of something deep and profound. The details of the action yeah, they might not seem significant if you're just going to look at them superficially, externally. But from the inner perspective, for what they represent, they make a huge, huge difference. And I want you to just reflect for a moment. My father came out of Russia. He lived in Russia, grew up there in the 1930s and 40s. Back then, it was a crime to practice Jewish life publicly. Or at all even. Now this guy's wait, somebody's waiting for Pesach and many people unfortunately they wound up in the gulags for their Jewish practices. 
And there are stories that I've read and heard of people who wound up Pesach in the Gulag, and unfortunately they never got their matzah on Pesach. The fellow could be meaning and thinking and, and meditating and, 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 and awaiting his matzah. Then there's another person who perhaps is not very religiously involved, maybe has not gone to a Seder, maybe has not practiced their Yiddishkeit for who knows how long, but they get a delivery of matzah from Chabad house, and on Pesach night, maybe they're not doing the Seder as one ought to, maybe they're not doing all of the steps of the Seder, but they eat that matzah that Chabad house sent them. Let me ask you, who fulfilled the mitzvah of the Pesach Seder? The one who's thinking, contemplating, meditating, or the one who actually ate the matzah? And, my friends, this is the point. You want to do the mitzvahs, whether you have the meditations or all the other wonderful accompaniments of a Seder, that's all nice. But, you know what? The main mitzvah is to do the Seder, to do the things that have to be done. That's the main thing, to get it done. Now, yes, of course, we say the words, Rahmana Delibabai, God wants our heart. That's true. God desires our hearts. God wants us to have a relationship with Him. And when God notices our sincere effort to do that which we can, I think that's reciprocal. And certainly, God rewards us for it. So, the main thing is to do the mitzvahs. And I think if you tune here in Tachai Ephem at the Soul to Soul, you'll hear many recommendations, many meditations and meaningful insights. And those are all great. My father, blessed memory, used to tell us at the Pesach Seder, you know, which means literally whoever increases or hurries to Lesaper to tell the story of our exodus from Egypt, it's praiseworthy. But there's another way of interpreting it. Kol Hamarbe, whoever hurries or increases Lesaper to supper, to dinner, that's praiseworthy. Either way, you want to make sure it's a meaningful and a purposeful experience. You don't want to just go through the motions. You also want to have the meaning. On the one hand, just going through the motions and doing it, that is the mitzvah. You fulfilled the mitzvah. But at the same time, try to give it your heart and soul. When you're doing your shopping this week and you're going out there and looking for matzahs and wine and all the different foods you're going to have, that's all important. Let's understand what it's about. Let's understand the basics of matzah. It's a mitzvah in the Torah to eat matzah on Pesach. And the Jewish people, we know our ancestors, they prepared on the night of the Exodus, but they had to hurry out of Egypt. They had no time for their dough to rise. And so when they reached their first stop outside of Egypt, they quickly baked this unleavened bread, which is the matzah that we eat. Now, of course, the matzah has a lot of significance and symbolism, unlike bread and chametz, which symbolizes ego, which we could discuss. The matzah is about humility. But let's just think at its core. Matzah is very simple. It's just flour and water. That's prepared, it's baked at tremendous speed and high temperatures to prevent the dough from rising, from leavening. And we need, we need that point as well in our own lives. We have to understand 
the importance of that aspect, the simplicity, just to do the mitzvahs with humility. Let's just go through the basics before we get deep, just thinking into what you need for your Seder plate. If you're going out there and doing your shopping this week, then make sure you get all the necessities that are important for your Pesach Seder. Now, obviously, quantities will depend on how many people you are. You might need, uh, you know, if there's more people, a little bit more. If you're all alone, you don't need so much. But it's important that the matzah you get for your Pesach Seder, ideally to make sure you get, at least for the Seder, the handmade round Shmura matzah. Shmura literally means that the wheat was protected from coming in contact with any water, starting already from the time of harvest. So you want that round, handmade shmura matzah. That's the ideal. In fact, it's such a big deal. The importance story comes to mind about a very wealthy uh, philanthropist, an admirer of Chabad, who once met with the Rebbe before Pesach. And he offered the Rebbe, he said, I want to support a big project. Next week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Tuesday evening, Wednesday, the 11th of Nisan, actually is the birthday of the Rebbe. And so he said to the Rebbe, I want to give you a big birthday present. I want to support any major project you'd like. So the Rebbe told him that I'd like to get matzah to every single Jew possible. And so the Rebbe said that he's encouraging his shluchim, his emissaries around the world to be distributing matzah. And if you want to support something, go ahead. We have a large scale matzah distribution program and you can support that. Well, the man says, Rebbe, I want to give you a blank check for a big project. Matzah, is that a big project? And the Rebbe said, if you're asking me what's a big project, for me to get Shmura Matzah to every Jew, that is a big project. That is significant. That is important. That to me is what matters. It's very important that every Jew is able to observe Pesach in the most perfect and the best way possible. So Shmura Matzah would be the ideal for you to procure for your Pesach Seder, at least for the Seder. Of course, you need wine or grape juice. We mark every Shabbos, every Yom Tov, with saying Kiddush, which declares the uniqueness of the special day. Our sages actually enacted that we make this declaration over a cup of wine. Think about wine. It's a very prominent drink. It, it, it gives it a sense of importance. And so on the Seder night, we drink four cups at four different intervals in our Seder. And one of the reasons for this number is to commemorate the four expressions of redemption that I mentioned in the Torah. And think about some other significance, the, the gematria, the numerical value of the word kos yayin is 156. How many times are we drinking it? Four? Well, four times 156 is 624, which is the gematria of the word cherus, which means freedom, which we achieve on Pesach. So the two main staples, before we get into the details of your Seder plate, are wine and matzah. And just to think for a moment, as thinking human beings, we try to understand and appreciate the things we do. And in Judaism as well, Maimonides talks a lot about understanding the significance, the importance of all the mitzvahs. And the wine, in fact, symbolizes that. Wine is something we could taste, we could savor, we could appreciate. Matzah, on the other hand, 
has been historically the food of the poor, of the slaves. It's so simple. It's so easy to make it. There's nothing complex about matzah. Its taste is simple. Its ingredients are simple. Just flour and water. And that symbolizes another element of our relationship with God. When we don't taste, when we don't get too sophisticated, it's not about how deep I understand it. And ultimately, we need a combination of both. We can't only celebrate our Judaism in a way that's limited to what we appreciate, to what we like. We can't limit our Jewish experience to just the things that we understand, but at the same time, it can't just be by rote. So there's the simplicity, and of course, there is the depth and appreciation. Both, we need our faith, which is simple, and we need the dynamic appreciation, where you go deeper to both important components of Jewish life. And so when it comes to the Seder, there are aspects of the Seder that obviously you might relate to very strongly, that you appreciate, that are dynamic, but at the same time, there are aspects that you do just out of faith, because both are so important to the Jewish experience. And Pesach, after all, is the birthday of the Jewish people. It's the time when we celebrate the birth of our nation. So it's a time that we could tap into the basics of Judaism. And both are important. The wine, the matzah, the appreciating the taste, and yet the simple faith. So that's the matzah and wine. Let's think about some other aspects. The centerpiece of the Seder table is our kaira, which is the Seder plate. And some of the items that we put on the plate, we have, uh, let's say, the egg. That's a universal custom. And then there are certain customs that are traditions of families. There are various customs about the exact placement of where you put the items and what specific items. If you open the Shulchan Aruch, the Code of Jewish Law, it talks about from karpas, some, some people use parsley. Other people use celery. Some people use potato and onions. So it's a matter of custom. Perhaps we could discuss some of those customs. Because our sages instituted that we have on the Seder plates, on our Seder plates, on the Kaira, two cooked or roasted foods. And these are, so to say, the main dishes. One will be consumed, the other will be just looked at. But they're commemorating two items that were essential to the Seder back in the times of the Temple. One was the Karban Pesach, and one was the Karban Chagiga. Karban Pesach is the Paschal lamb that was offered since our ancestors left Egypt. And the Karban Chagiga was the special festival offering, which was cattle, sheep, that was offered in the times of the temple. So that's your first two items of your Seder plate. And in fact, they are on the top of the Seder plate. They are the items that will be at the very top. On the right side will be the Zroa, commonly used, is the, is a, is a, a shank bone. That's on the top right. That is, Ezra also means an arm. So perhaps that's symbolizing Ezra and Atuya with an outstretched arm. God emancipated our ancestors from their back-breaking labors, their slavery in Egypt. And we use today whatever piece of meat that is roasted or partially roasted. Some use a shank bone, others use a chicken leg or a wing. Whatever you use, actually, in Chabad custom, it's a, it's a gurgle, a chicken neck. 
Whatever it is, we actually don't eat it because we no longer are able to offer the carbon Pesach. On the top left, you have the egg. What's the egg that represents the carbon Chagiga? Why specifically an egg? Well, you look at an egg, it's sort of roundish, and that symbolizes the cycle of life. And so it's a food that traditionally is eaten by mourners. The egg on the Seder table is a symbol of mourning for the Holy Temple. The fact that we no longer have it, we feel the absence acutely on this celebration of Pesach, where we realize we don't have the Temple. The egg actually is consumed. It's the first part of the Shulchan Orech, of the meal, the festive meal that you eat. And so we dip it into salt water, salt water symbolizing the tears. We are remorseful. We regret that we no longer have the temple, that the egg is the sign of mourning to recall the Karban Pesach, uh, sorry, the Karban Chagiga, the festive the festival offering that used to be brought in the temple. In the center of your Seder plate, in the middle, and then we'll look at the center at the bottom, is the marr. Marr is the bitter herbs, okay? Now, that is actually originally biblically mandated. Today, it is only Midrabanan. The only thing that is still Midraisa biblical is the matzah that we eat. The mar, think about it, already in Egypt when the Jews celebrated the very first Pesach, already then they were commanded, they were instructed to eat mar. Mar is a nice relish that can make your lamb chops that you have back in temple times that you ate between with your matzah, which back then looked more like a contemporary lacha, and certainly it added flavor. But it also symbolized the tears, the, the, the bitterness of slavery. So here we have what the main components of the Pesach Seder is. The Karban Pesach, which we said is symbolized by your shank bone, or whatever you'll use. The matzah and the bitter herbs. Those are the three biblically mandated, even though today the only one that we're still doing biblically is the matzah. The mara today is Medirabana because you only actually are biblically required to offer the marr when you actually have the carbon Pesach. But what do you use for marr? There's different opinions. And if you look in Shulchan Aruch, some of them are mentioned. In our family tradition, we use romaine lettuce, we use endives, and we use horseradish. Some people have other customs of what they use. Some people use radish. Some people use... Um, I was just listening in Shul yesterday at our shiur. I don't remember what someone else said that they, they used back in Sudan. So, now the thing is, people wonder, romaine lettuce, how does that qualify as a bitter herb? To tell you the truth, it actually is you know, nice and crispy. We use it in Caesar salads. doesn't taste so bitter at all. One profound explanation that I once heard that I think is worthwhile to share with you is that although romaine lettuce itself isn't bitter, but if it's left unharvested, then it becomes very bitter. And the same thing applied to our, our experience in Egypt. While we were originally invited as royal guests, remember Yaakov and his family came. Yosef was the viceroy of Egypt. We were relatives of, of Yosef. We were his family. But 
slowly, ultimately, eventually, we were forced into bitter slavery. So the maror, the maror is like that. The idea that sometimes in life, first, it seems pleasurable, but unfortunately, later, it causes us trouble. And the maror, we have it twice in our Seder experience. First, it is consumed alone, and then it is joined in the Korech sandwich. So we'll talk more about the next step, the Haroset, because that's another important component of your Seder plate. And we could talk about the Karpas, another important point, and maybe we could share some insights and ideas in a few moments. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. Welcome back to Soul to Soul right here on 101.9 Chai FM. I'm your host, Rabbi Ari Kievman. And today we're talking about your Pesach Seder, getting ready for it. And perhaps we could do a little checklist of what's important for you to go out there and make sure to shop for. Right now we're going through your Seder plate. And so far we talked about the egg, which is commemorative of the Korban Chagiga, the festival offering that used to be offered. We talked about the top right corner, the Zra'ah which is either a shank bone or a piece of meat or leg, chicken leg or a neck that's roasted to recall the Korban Pesach and it's not consumed. We talked about the Marar. Let's now talk about the Haroset because that actually joins with the Marar. And that's placed on the bottom right of your Seder plate. And that is the Haroset. It is a sweet paste. The Haroset commemorates the thick mortar that symbolizes the bricks that our ancestors had to build, used to build the pyramids and with the cities that they were built for Pharaoh in Egypt. The way you make the haroset, it's a mixture of ground, raw fruit, different fruits, different customs. In, in the Shulchan Aruch, it mentions um, apples and pears and dates and pomegranates and walnuts and cinnamon and ginger. It also talks about adding in nuts. So there's different customs of what the exact recipe is. The Chabad custom actually is very simple. Apples, pears, and walnuts. Whatever you're able to do, you add in a dash of red wine because that commemorates the blood, the, the blood that spilled, the blood of our ancestors that was spilled in Egypt of so much Jewish blood of the oppression that our ancestors experienced. And during the Seder, we're going to dip the maror into the haroset before we eat it. On the left-hand side of your Seder plate will be the karpas. And the karpas is a vegetable. Which vegetable? Well, like I said, the truth is any vegetable is fine. But there's different customs. Some people use celery, parsnip, radish, cabbage, raw onion and cooked potato, which is what I grew up using. Whatever your custom is, going to dip it into salt water. Now, that is the basics for your Seder plate checklist. Let's talk about the Seder, or actually a little bit getting closer to Pesach. This year, as it is on a Shabbos evening, your Pesach Seder, so the preparations are going to begin. You want to make sure that everything is done next week by Thursday. In fact, Thursday is the day that we do the firstborn fasting Thursday night, not Friday night next week, is going to be the search for the chametz. And on Friday morning, we are in fact going to burn our chametz, but we're only going to nullify it on Shabbos morning. 
Ideally, you want to have challah to recall the double portion of mana that our sages, that our ancestors were received each Friday in the desert. And so you want to have challah. But it could get a little bit tricky having challah on Shabbos. So from the basement, they, they recommend having egg matzah. But it is ideal to have challah. But if you're going to have your challah, make sure you're going to wrap it very well. That on Shabbos morning, by 9.45 a.m., the latest time you could eat your challah. That means most shuls are going to have Shabbos morning service very early, like 7 o'clock in the morning. So you could have your Shabbos meal 9, 9.15. And by 9.45, you finish all chametz. You want to take whatever challah is left over and actually flush it down the toilet or give it away to a non-Jewish person who will not be on your property. That is the point with the challah. Now, on Shabbos, you're going to enjoy your Shabbos meal, but all the food should be Pesachic. No chametz other than that challah. Everything, enjoy Pesach, kosher for Pesach food. Now, of course, there's a particular time we have our Seder. And you might, some people think, who cares? Why does it matter? Whenever it works and whenever it's convenient for me, I'll eat the matzah, I'll drink the wine, I'll do what I have to. But the truth is, the timing matters a lot. Timing is important. You know that good old story they tell about the bell, about this poor guy who winds up, it was a very wealthy fellow, said, all poor people could come to my house for a Purim celebration. And he says to the guest, everyone could take one item from his home, whatever they want. You want cutlery, you want a plate, you want uh, you want a, a, a goblet, you want a glass, you want a platter, whatever it is you could take to go. This one guy was amazed the way the host, whenever he would ring his bell, the waiters would come. He thought to himself, that's brilliant. I could get the bill and I'll never be hungry again because I could just ring the bell and hey, magically, waiters will appear. Well, as you can understand, when he came home and started ringing a bell, it didn't put food on his table. No waiters showed up. And when he went back to the wealthy person who hosted him, he says, what's going on? I thought you ring the bell and you get a meal served. And of course, he underst- he came to the understanding that it's not exactly the way it works. Everything has something behind it, right? And so at the Seder, we're tapping into a special spiritual energy that we have on Pesach. If you're going to do your Pesach Seder today, you're not going to experience that. Even in the Gemara, there's a story about one of the prominent Roman diplomats who was invited to a meal at the home of Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi. And he said, oh, the, the, the Shabbos meal, it tastes so good. Tell me your recipe. Rabbi Yehuda had nothing to hide. He shared the recipe with him. But the fellow comes back and says, it didn't taste the same. You must have missed out one ingredient. He said, no, there's no ingredient that I missed out. The only thing it could possibly be is the special ingredient, the Shabbos. My friends, the matzah, the wine, the Haggadah, all those things are the bells that we try to get the energy. But the energy is only present at the Seder. If you do it on Saturday afternoon, Erev Pesach, you don't have the experience. It has to be specifically at the Pesach Seder. Yes, not past midnight, but rather sunset is probably around 7 p.m. Sunset will probably be around 6 p.m. But the stars come out around 7. And so when it gets dark outside, 
that's when we light the candles. You have to be very careful this year because it's not a weeknight. It's Matzei Shabbos. You want to make sure that you don't light before the stars are out. Just look in the calendar to see the exact, specific, precise time. And so, because as a nation, our history begins with darkness, with night, exile, bondage. Think about our history, our experience. Well, we move then into the light, into the freedom. And so, in our personal experience as well, sometimes we have darkness, difficulties, challenges, struggles. And yes, my friends, Pesach will begin next Saturday night. What, whatever time it says in the calendar, and if you're not in Johannesburg, wherever you are, just check on the UOS website or on ChabadSadafga.org. We have candle lighting for all parts of the world. We have to make sure that we start at the right time and experience the Pesach Seder in the most meaningful and purposeful way as it's meant to be. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. Welcome back to Soul to Soul right here on 101.9 Chai FM. And here today we are talking about what your Seder checklist should be, what you need to get, how you can make sure that you are ready and prepared for Pesach next week. So, talked about what you need to get for your Seder plate. Of course, make sure all the foods are kosher for Pesach. We also talked about the timing. And I just want to remind you, if for any reason, because somebody just sent through a question they have young kids, they want to start earlier. My recommendation is you could start a little bit earlier. You could actually start at the extension of Shabbos. By the way, one of the halachas is it mentioned in the Gemara not to eat every meal next Saturday afternoon. So you have a hearty appetite for your Pesach Seder. You could probably begin your Seder just around 7 p.m. But why not, if you need to start earlier, instead of actually starting the Seder, you could go through parts of the Haggadah. You could share stories and insights. You could have a family game. You could even eat some food, not matzah or any of the Seder items. But you could start even before Pesach begins, before nightfall. Just don't do the actual mitzvahs of the Seder. And then you could do what my father says. You could hurry to the, the, the supper part. And you know what? You want to make sure your Seder is enjoyable. You want to make sure that it's an enjoyable experience, that the whole family has a good time. You don't want it to be a stressful evening. You want it to be memorable and enjoyable. So remind yourself that whatever expectations you have, let it go. Let the evening be enjoyable. Let it be something that your family, just you're serving God. You're having a good time as a family, Pesach Seder. That's the main thing. So just think that it's a, a very special moment. It's a family experience and you are experiencing it together you're making the best and the most of the moment and live in the moment. Yes, Pesach reminds us, Pesach reminds us to live in the moment. We always like to say in this show, carpe diem. Yes, Pesach is about, we connect to the past, we remember our carbon Pesach. There were two, there were two mitzvahs the Jewish people had before they left Egypt. One was the carbon Pesach and in order to do the carbon Pesach, they had to be circumcised. Circumcision is about a newborn baby, an infant coming into this world. It's about looking ahead. It's about planning for the future. And Craig will wrap up in a moment. Craig, just give it a minute, Craig. And it's looking ahead into the future. Whereas the carbon Pesach is looking back at the past. And so both are important. 
Remember the past. Live the present. Trust the future. But at the same time, our sages teach us, yesterday is history, tomorrow is a mystery, but today is a gift of God, and that's why it's called the present. Both of those points are important. At the Pesach Seder, we do look back at the past, and we do recall and commemorate our history, but it's not just about our history, but it's also about our story. So let's make sure it's an enjoyable, pleasant experience with our families. Go ahead, do your shopping, and please, God, next week, I will try to share with you some insights, some ideas on how to make your Pesach Seder, maybe go through the steps of the Pesach Seder to make it most memorable and enjoyable and wishing you all a wonderful Shabbos and indeed, carpe diem. Seize the moment. All the best.